Today is Monday, March 27th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Catholic conspiracy theories? Tell me everything you know about the devil. <laughs> Just kidding, it's from a movie. Tell me everything you know about the white, black, and gray pope. I, I recently heard this, quote, conspiracy theory floated, and it is intriguing. It's like a Da Vinci Code type thing. Um... The uh, Vatican Mysteries. Anyway, so if anyone knows something not discussed, let me know. Point me to all your videos. I want to see. Anyway, it's a very interesting thing. So that uh, the black or the black uh, black pope, the supreme general of the Jesuit order, that type of fun stuff. Uh, not to be outdone, the next topic is holy rape of the soul. You heard that right. I'll just leave that right there. Uh, next up is Heretic Hour 2.0. Bob and Baptize go at it again for a much shorter amount of time. And then we end on transubstan transubstantiation. Uh, what is the biblical position of that? What do we think? Are we literally eating bodies and blood? Let's find out. Spoiler, no. I guess it depends who you ask, but biblically and no. Anyway. Um, enjoy that and more. And check out the Ask a Christian podcast wherever podcasts are found. You can find it on Google, Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. Um, and also Napster. Do you know like Napster is still a thing? Like I see like music and podcast. I, is it podcast or just music? I don't know. Apparently Napster's still around. So I, I, I guess you could do something there. Anyways, uh, check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon. And you can check out some gear. Uh, to facilitate discussions about your faith and the hope you have and why you have it with gentleness and respect on the Ask a Christian store. The link is in the video description or podcast description. And there is a link to just straight up support us and what we do, sharing the gospel of Christ to internet people. So uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for checking it out. Enjoy this discussion. It's a good one. Until next time. Hey, um, while I have you, I have a question real quick. The... the the Christian has a question for, I guess, uh, the other Christian. Um, okay, so let's go deep into Catholic conspiracy theory. I mean, whenever people say conspiracy theory at this point, I'm just like, yeah, conspiracy theory in like three months, it's going to be proven fact. Trouble talking about yeah. Catholics this week. Well, let's keep it going. This will this will help. So whenever someone says conspiracy theory in my mind now, I'm just so ingrained to be like, okay, in three months, this is going to be indisputable, provable fact. Anyway, so I wouldn't be surprised in this case either. Have you, Chris, in the deep, dark tomes of anything you've ever read, come across a, quote, conspiracy theory that in addition to the, the white pope, the main pope that you, you know, the Catholic Church recognizes, there is apparently, supposedly, a black pope and a gray pope who are shadowy secret figures who wield uh, ultimate order as a supreme general who some would say are beholden only to the Pope, but others say are greater than the Pope and control armies and governments of the world, yada, yada, yada. Have you ever heard such a thing? Nate, I'm the black Pope. It's not a race thing. <laughs> have you heard such a thing? I have not. But ever? I like that joke. No, I have never, ever heard that. I mean, and here's the thing. You know that you know, in my um, artist in residency days, um, my entire my entire uh, work was about conspiracy and conspiracy theory. And I've read a lot of books on conspiracy theory. 
and I have not ever heard that one. So now I'm really interested. All right, where well, did you read this? I what, who's doing this? Because I need to know more. Dude, I have this guy I know, and he is what some would say off the deep end. This guy is super New World Order government overthrow, Mark of the Beast, uh, demons or aliens. I mean, I mean, probably 50% of it's right. But anyways, so he was telling me, he's like, man, I, he, he was like raised Catholic and his kids were in like Catholic CDD, like indoctrination camp. And he's like, they just brought, sent my daughter home with like, uh, she's like 11, they sent her home with like books about uh, pornography and how kids are always exposed to this. And we need to talk to our kids about porn. He's like, she's 11. And he's like, then they sent like stuff, the same stuff with my 14 year old son. He's like, that's not what they need to be learning. They need to teach them about Jesus or something like that. Do they even believe in Jesus? I'm like, well, you're Catholic. Um, he's like, not anymore. So he's like, I pulled them out of there. I did my research. And he's like, I went to this website, this website, you know, like the, the uh, Charlie Day, it's always sunny meme, how the guy's at the whiteboard. He's like, got a crazy look in his eyes and like um, threads are everywhere. Like the murder board he's trying to draw stuff to. He's like, I went on this deep dive, man. I found out, you know, there's not just the Pope. There's the black Pope. There's the gray Pope. Like the black Pope's the order of the Jesuits and he controls them. And it's a secret army. And, um, they say he's beholden only to the Pope, but he really, he's the real Pope and he's controlling everything. And then the gray Pope, it's, uh, I guess the gray Pope is like, uh, I, I guess in the real, an alien. Hang on. I guess in the real world, it's considered sort sort of like a thing. But I guess the gray Pope is like kind of a, a disrespectful or slanderous term, I guess, because of conspiracy theory attached to it. But apparently it's like, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? It was like, uh, it's some Italian guy. I completely forget his name. Os. Oh, that bugs me. Completely forget it. But um, he he's like Italian Sorry. nobility and from like a from like a long ago family, like the 1500s or something, and something like that. But they oh no, I'm gonna find it in a minute. But he says he's they say like he's the gray pope, and I guess people don't like that title for him. But the conspiracy theorists are like, yes, this guy controls like all these vast networks and armies affiliated with Illuminati and basically like the ultimate evil. And um, so. so Anyway, that's that's the conspiracy behind it. Yeah, let me find this guy's name. What was it? I was just reading this. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. I, have, I have, like, vast resources on conspiracies. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, even on uh, the CatholicAnswers.com, uh, they do say the Black Pope um, does exist, uh, but he's not secret, and he does not have near any much as po- near as much power as the real Pope. The black Pope is a nickname given to the father general of the society of Jesus. When the Jesuits were the most prestigious influential missionary order in the world, the people of Rome began to speak jokingly of their head as a second Pope. They called them the black Pope because he wore the Jesuits black clerical garb in contrast to the real Pope who wore white. Yeah. And I guess, um, I guess that's where the conspiracy goes. Like certain things are, are like everyone will admit but then they're like, no, no, he, he serves under the Pope and blah, blah, blah. But then some, certain people are like, no, no, he's the real Pope. But then the mm-hmm. the great Pope, apparently, that's the conspiracy. And, but the Pepe Orsini is the great Pope. He is the blah, 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 13th bloodline illuminated, whatever the heck that means, hailed from Maximus clan and Claudius clan, three, like some, some important Italian family. And um, anyway, I was hoping you'd know more. We need Steph in here. Yeah, you need the she probably wouldn't. Skin. She probably wouldn't. She probably wouldn't know either. But anyway, so that's, I mean, that's like, all I got. 
I know a lot about the Jesuits, so, you know, I can tell you a little bit about the Jesuits, but yeah, I mean, I just hadn't overheard the, um, the title, the Black Pope. I guess it's a slang term, is what you're saying, uh, serendipity, right? Yeah. Isn't like a... It not like Superior General or Supreme General like Supreme the, General the title or something of the Society of Yeah. Dude, how how creepy does that sound? Just just okay. I'm I'm a Christian. I serve Jesus, and you know, here's my nice little religion. Oh, what's the title for this guy? Supreme General of the Order of the Jesuits. Oh, that just sounds Sith Lord. That that just sounds like why not like oh Shepherd of the Flock of Christ. Supreme General of the Jesuit Order, like good oh, lord, that's it's like you got a big name for the Jesuits. Like, do you, do you know anything tr- about the Jesuits? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it started as like nice little missionaries, and then it turned to kind of like er, 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 die, die, die. Right? You know, Nate, this is shaping up to make quite a good uh, book or movie, like the next Da Vinci Codes. You're giving me ideas. You know, it's oh, funny. Yeah. I was actually reading. I, I was reading, like, I'm, I'm somehow got, like, uh, sucked into, like, Christian fiction. So, like, um, anyways, I, I was reading these, like, Christian mystery series because uh, I ran out of, like, you know, Christian books associated with, like, associated with, like, dragons and wars and swords and knights and stuff. So it's like, oh, we recommend this for you. And it was like, murder, mystery, the plot, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, okay, I'll check that out. It's not usually my thing. Turns out, like, after I started getting into it, um, it was a a Catholic mystery. So it's all about like, you know, corrupt priests and murder and plots and like stolen relics slash idols and stuff like that. So anyways, I started reading it. Yeah. I mean, it reads like one of one, something like that book. Like it turns out it was a pretty good read. Maybe if you were a Catholic, you'd be a little offended, but I'm not. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like secret orders, mysterious meetings, blah, 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 all this other stuff. All right. So, so of course I have a serious conspiracy question. Um, so, did, has anyone followed the actual bloodline of, of Jesus through J- his brother James? Like, have they tracked the bloodline? Is that like a real thing? Chris has just been haunted by. I was trying to change thought... my PTR to my uh, Spanish Inquisition PTR, but I wasn't fast enough. Oh, uh, we thought um, you were on the road being hunted by one of the Secret Order. Right, yeah. No, the Jesuits, man. Um, so, uh, sorry, CEO, I got distracted. What was the question? Oh, so has anyone tracked the bloodline of, like, Jesus' brother, James? Like, because I've heard, like, that is a thing. Like, they know the true bloodline and they've had influence throughout history. Is that, like, a thing? I mean, there's conspiracy theory going around that, sure, but, like, you know, the half-brother of Jesus, James, and then, you know, he had a couple of other brothers and sisters. No one really tracked any of their bloodlines for real reels um, because they simply weren't important at the time. Um, You know, it wasn't until, like, the Middle Ages that some of these things started becoming important. The other thing is that the church early on got into Mariology really quickly, um, because goddess worship was a thing in the ancient, in you know, in that part of the world. And so they wanted to quell any idea that Jesus had brothers and sisters to perpetuate this perpetual virginity of Mary thing. 
um, because it had to do with asceticism and it had to do with the early church and how they treated women. And it was a whole complicated political thing. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that no one knew anything about the rest of the family of Mary and Joseph. And I get, I mean, it, and it really wouldn't matter, like, unless someone just wants, like, some sort of accolade. But, I mean, in any any sort of weighty meaning, other than just, like, you know, I'm the millionth descendant adjacent to Christ. I mean, it wouldn't matter if you're, like, Mary, unless you're Catholic, I guess. But it wouldn't matter if you're Mary. It wouldn't matter if you are James. It wouldn't matter if you are Jesus, one of Jesus' brothers or sisters or anything. I mean, we're all still the same fallen people. So I, I don't know what the reason would be other than just be like, hey, you know, I'm— I'm like sort of kind of in the bloodline of Christ. And then, I mean, if someone told me that and it was provable, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. That does nothing for your eternal soul. Have you accepted Christ as your savior? Um, you know, because being related to him does does nothing for me or you. Well, listen, I'm in branding. So give me a descendant of Jesus. I'll help them be a $100,000 speaker. Speaking of branding, you've got to look at the AI-generated Pope images. They are... Awesome. Chris knows. Bro, my favorite is the puffy coat pope. I, I, I wish Clubhouse made it easier to see. Let me see if I can uh, change my PTR. By the way, while we're waiting, Steve, uh, I, I had to leave during the coffee and genocide. Was that, did that answer your, your questions surrounding that stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Chris answered my question, yeah. Hey, Good did you job, remember Chris. meeting me about 15 years ago, Steve, now that you're back from the dead? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I saw you at uh, WWDC, and I got to shake your hand and have a short conversation with you. And my brother actually had dinner at your house. Um, he uh, was the head of open source software at Hewlett Packard. And so... Uh, he, uh, he hung out with you guys, with you and your wife. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, wow. Great. And I'm really happy that you say Henry. If Steve Jobs are listening to me, <laughs> I'm really happy. I mean, that's wonderful. Because, um, yeah. 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 Every single time, like, the, the reason why I keep his pictures, even my wallpaper is of Steve Jobs. And I have two posters of Steve Jobs in my home, in my room. Because I feel motivated every single time. So, yeah, that's the reason I gave his picture. And I'm really happy that you even met him in real life and your brothers work in such a great company. Wow, great. I'm really happy. Well, I want to say this is the same reason I have pictures of Jesus in my home. Because he inspires and motivates, even though I, I don't actually have a picture of Jesus in my home. Mm, but you get like the meaning. Uh, speaking of veneration, how about how about yeah, how about your cardboard cutouts of Calvin and Luther? Oh yeah, no, there was a so so. Um, Do you kneel before them? Yeah, yeah, everybody was worshiping Calvin. It was great. We had a whole worship <laughs> service for Calvin. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, now what we're talking about is Ligonier had their national conference on the East Coast uh, this weekend, and my wife and I attended, and uh, it was great. Um, so it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, we actually got to see Bodie Bauckham on Saturday. And um, so I was going to, I was supposed to hang out with Stephen Nichols, but it just didn't happen because the conference was too busy. So my brother-in-law is like, eh, 
that's not a big deal. We'll just have lunch with him next week. So at some point this week, I'm having lunch with Stephen Nichols, which is very exciting. I he's don't a church know who historian. That is. Oh, so he's like the big up and coming church historian. So he is president of uh, Reformation Bible College, and um, he he's a younger guy. He's like in his early forties. And he is, when I say an encyclopedia of American church history, you can ask him the most, like, just, like, obscure character in American church history, and he will tell you the dude's entire biography off the top Wait, of his head. Wait, ask him about the black, gray, and white pope. I'm sure Stephen Nichols would know something about that, but the other guy that we have is Robert Gottfried, and um, Dr. Gottfried would be able to tell you the entire history of the Jesuits off the top of his head. He's like, I don't want the real Dr. history. I want the, I want the secret. You just want the spicy. I just want the, the Da Vinci Code stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, Dr. Gottfried, he reads Latin, Greek, Hebrew, German, and Dutch. Um, so he's a dummy. Hey, Bill, what's up? Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. What's on your mind today? How much? Hey, did um, R.C. Sproul, did he have a, uh, a sermon on the rape of the soul? Speaking of spicy. The rape of the soul. Rape. Soul rape. Rape? Yes. Yeah, that. Nothing about that. I know exactly nothing. Have you heard about it? Nope. That would be encompassed in the I know exactly nothing about that part. So, Chris, are, so, uh, are you, Dr. R.C. Sproul says holy rape of the soul. Um, let's see. This is the very... Um, he's talking about the biblical uniform teaching of God's effectual grace where he... Um, Calls, draws, and changes. Oh, oh, I see. I've have heard of this. Um, I, I don't know like any quotes or anything, but I, I've heard about this. Like, um, okay, the very biblical and reformed teaching of God's effectual grace, where He internally calls, draws, and changes the sinner. Um, and I guess some people are saying, you know, that's like not consensual. Therefore, it's rape. Just like how you know um, they try to say like God raped Mary, even though you know the Scripture clearly says. Um, you know, Mary's like, sure, I'm your servant. Yes. Uh, you know, let it be as you said. I will have this Christ child. And they're like, no, no, it wasn't consensual. I'm like, it's literally consensual. She's consenting right there. So it's, it's one of those things. Okay. Get it now, Chris. Now that I have some context, I'm aware of what you're talking about. Yeah, that's stupid. Do you want to do more justice to it than I did? Because only, I've only heard that a few times. Well, I just want to know if Chris is pro or anti soul rape. <laughs> wow. Well, when Chris, did you stop soul raping people. See you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I one mean, of those. So, so soul rape is just a. Is oh a, my gosh. <laughs> I can't even believe we're having this conversation right now. Welcome. This to is Monday. the title for today. This is the title of today's episode. <sighs> So, very deeply stupid people who don't know anything about Reformed theology will refer to the effectual calling and redemption of God's people as a non-consensual act. Now, 
the reason that's stupid is because they don't understand the basis for Reformed theology, which basically says that God will take out the heart of stone that you have and give you a new heart of flesh. Allah is deal 36. So, you know, this whole, whole nonsense about, oh, you know, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he knocks, and then he grabs his battering ram and knocks down the door. It's just not, it's a, it's a slander and a misunderstanding that is inserting the force of the machine, what we call in philosophy the force of the machine, um, for the force of the heart. I like the picture of Jesus standing at the heart, uh, door of your heart with like a bat. It's like, over the door, I just want to talk. Yeah, the, the riot shield and the, um, and the battering ram. Uh, Bill, yeah, does that's that... a mischaracterization. Does that answer your uh, I, I muted you, Bill. There was some feedback coming, so I, I put you on mute. Just unmute your fast and answer. If you want to speak. Uh, let's see, someone in chat says, Brother Milner says, can you speak on Sproul saying that sanctification is synergistic? Can you speak on that, Chris? Sure. So Sproul and most classical uh, Reformed people would say that while our justification, our salvation, is monergistic, that just means one um, person in the act, that is God, um, synergism means that we work together with God. And so what Sproul would teach is that um, we work together with God to become more like Christ. Um, and so that's, that's essentially what he's saying there. I'm actually a monergist in sanctification as well, so I would differ with Sproul on this um, and a lot of other classical Reformed thinkers. Um, and I just haven't been convinced the other way that synergism is really true. Um, but that's that's a conversation I'm willing to have. You know, maybe that's why they why they have all these structures and orders. Because if, if there was a grace roll, you couldn't disagree. Or you'd be, like, burned or, or something. Right. Um, instead of yeah, just the normal scroll a... where it's like, I'm only a human, you can disagree with me. <laughs> maybe there's a black scroll and a, and a gray scroll and they're just <laughs> running around in the mirror. Pulling the strings. You know. I'm going to be stuck on this for a while. It is so interesting. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, I grew up with the CEO who, who is now the CEO of Ligonier, uh, Chris Larson. And it was nice. We got to spend some time with the Larsons. And my wife uh, and Jennifer were really good friends in college. And they just kind of lost touch and drifted apart. And they were able to reconnect. And they're going to have tea next week. And, yeah, it was really nice. It was really good to see everybody. Uh, the follow. Let's see. see Chris. Uh, someone says, "Is that lordship salvation?" And then uh, Brother Miller says, "Might Sproul say that the perseverance of the saints is synergistic?" And welcome, Tippy. Hello, um, Lordship salvation is just biblical salvation, like Nate and I talk about all the time. Um, the idea that there is a non-lordship salvation is something called free grace that was popular in American Christianity in the 80s. And there is a teacher named Dr. John MacArthur who pretty much killed that entire concept. 
uh, with a single book called The Gospel According to Jesus. And uh, churches used to be very into free grace and teaching that you can just, you know, come get your fire insurance and there's no change in your life and you can just keep going. As long as you, as long as you say the magic words, I believe in Jesus, I believe he rose from the dead, your ticket is punched, you go to heaven, it doesn't matter what you do after that. Um, that is the idea of free grace. That is not Christianity. And so no one even uses the term Lordship Salvation anymore because that concept of having your ticket punched while walking down an aisle that Charles Finney popularized was so thoroughly killed in the American church by MacArthur and the Gospel According to Jesus that no one even talks about it anymore. Oh man, the church cat is out. I'm in the church parking lot and there's this giant, giant <laughs> cat that hangs out at our church and he's like hanging out and he's like across the parking lot and walking towards me. That's funny, the church cat. Uh, maybe he needs a maybe he needs a home, Chris. Uh, no, I'm not taking any feral cats home. Thank you. Oh yeah, Nate. Stuck. What happened to the kitten, Nate? Uh, it's still hanging yes. on to life. Okay. It, it's it's still hanging on. It is not thriving. There is no thriving going on. It is it is holding on. It's fighting the good fight. That's sad. Uh, what you are you saying about the scroll? You're about to say something. Oh, uh, the. Brother's follow-up question was: Would Sproul say that perseverance of the saints is uh, is synergistic? And I would say no. Um, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That the idea that you could lose your salvation after your heart being regenerated um, would have nothing to do with keeping the commandments. It would be that because your heart has been regenerated, you will keep the commandments. Jesus, you know, Jesus literally says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I like don't a command, know how much not a suggestion. So, so is that, right. are you saying I like don't... when Jesus says like, you will, because you have no choice, keep my commandments versus you will like actively, you know, not walk into a brothel or something of your own right. choice. Well, you it's like, I command that you will not. Hey, I'm not going to be able well, to, um, I'm not going to be able to add much. I'm kind of reading. So just like listening in the background, but uh, if you if you call on me, I'll I'll answer. Sure, we'll be nails on the chalkboard of your ear while you try <laughs> to get some reading done. That's fine. Um. So so yeah. So so the idea of heart regeneration means like when you're born again, it means that you will keep his commandments. You will do good works. You know, because Ephesians two eight and nine and then ten, which most people ignore, is that we are saved onto good works. Um, because the position of our heart has changed, you're given a heart of flesh, you're just going to do the stuff that Jesus wants you to do. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not, oh, you got to keep my commandments because you love me. It is, because you love me, I will give you the ability to keep my commandments, and your heart position will want to keep my commandments. Well, maybe it wouldn't be the most articulate, but surely you could say that in a way that would sound synergistic, like, um, like, um, I don't know, like, you know, when it says, you know, re resist temptation or resist the devil and he'll flee, like, you know, if you have a, if you have a chance to do something bad, but, and you're like, oh my gosh, 
I totally want to do that, but uh, it's very difficult, but I'm not going to. Um, I mean, that could probably be said in a way that would sound synergistic. Like if you turn and go the other sure. way. I mean, you could say, well, you know, it wasn't your choice, uh, you know, because the desire of your heart is to do good. So, you know, it's actually you had no control over it. God commanded you to do that, even though it felt like a really big challenge that you could have given into. Um, it was God spinning you around and sending you the other way, not you, um, you know, putting your foot on the gas pedal to drive by that liquor store a little faster. Yeah. Brother, I mean, I've read like three or four scroll books and I've listened to a lot of his lectures. Um, let's see, I've read Chosen by God, The Holiness of God, uh, The Trinity, Why Is There Evil? Okay, I guess, I guess I've read a few more than, than four, but I've read a few <laughs> scroll books. Um, but, I mean, I'm not an expert on what scroll would say. I would tell you what the reform position would be that I've learned from a number of Ligonier fellows that were all friends of scroll. Um, but I, I don't know if I could tell you exactly what Sproul would say. Um, somebody might come back and be like, well, Sproul wrote in this other book because he wrote almost a hundred books. So I have not read all of Sproul's books to tell, to tell you. So, I mean, I can tell you that people will conflate perseverance of the saints. It is true with sanctification. Um, but that is not, if you understand biblical theology in terms of heart reformation you're not going to come to any of those conclusions because it just doesn't it's not conceivable within that construct like it's inconceivable that somebody could lose their salvation if they've surgically had their heart removed that was a heart of stone and given a heart of flesh that person is not going to choose to walk away from the faith that's why first john 2 19 is there that's why the idea that you can your salvation is so deeply stupid to people who understand anything about biblical theology. Hey, Vanga, what's up? I don't think I've, I, I think I almost heard you say hi earlier. What's going on? Uh, just listening in. You know, All right. As I whistle while I work. <laughs> but yeah, um, it was an uh, interesting conversation going on. I think uh, I think you were talking, Chris, on the Christian apologetics, and there, I guess uh, it was a reference to uh, what was it? Uh, my mind just drew a blank. It, it, the portion I guess you was talking on was in reference to uh, had to do with the I don't know if it had to do with the Immaculate. Oh. Uh, uh, original guilt or original sin and he was stating a particular perspective but I think he went off um, you know as the conversation uh, went on a little bit longer and so on and so forth um, did, did you did you say that you believe that we inherited Adam's guilt or or were you speaking along those lines or so so in original sin we don't say that we we receive Adam's guilt for his first sin. What we say is that Adam died in the garden spiritually at the moment that he sinned. He is our federal head. And because he is our federal head, what that means is that we got a sin nature passed on to us. And so when we talk about original sin as instantiated in Genesis and in um, 
Romans chapter 5, what we're talking about is the fact that all of us, when we are born, we are born dead. Dead as a doornail. We are born spiritually dead. And what God does is he awakens us, right, from death to life. And that's regenerate. That's what we call being born again. And so the idea of original sin is not that we inherit the sins of the Father, right? That's Ezekiel 18 talks about how that's not true. Um, in Exodus 20, it talks about the sin of the Father to the third and fourth generation. It's not talking about people inheriting the actual sin of the Father. It's, it's a different concept. And so people were misconstruing that in ancient Israel, and the prophet Ezekiel addresses the idea that you would be held responsible for someone else's sin. And basically God says, that's ridiculous. It is the soul who sins that will die. And, you know, that was a very important passage in the Old Testament that refocused um, some of these ideas. Okay, so you become spiritually, so so it's not the same as uh, inherited Adam's guilt. Where, it, it, just, just to be clear, right? Um, you made a distinction between inherited Adam's guilt versus inheriting Adam's. I, I'm parsing it out in my head while while I'm thinking about this while you speak. Um, can you can you clarify a little bit better on on what is sure? We're not inheriting. Yeah, we're not inheriting the guilt of Adam eating the fruit. What we are inheriting is the spiritual um, position that Adam put us in as our federal head. What I mean by federal head is Adam is the very first man, and there were no children before Adam and Eve fell. First children came after the fall. So everyone who is born into humanity is born with the same spiritually dead condition. That's all. It's not that we're receiving the guilt for someone else's sin. It is that we are receiving the the dead spiritual nature of Adam that he contracted when he first sinned. Do we also um, death? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was you. just gonna. The last sentence I was gonna say is death can never produce life. Now, um, do we inherit the judgment that was due to Adam because of being separated uh, yes. uh, from God? With, what about, yes. like, uh, what would you say with, like, aborted babies? or you know, uh, They would or, still bear the guilt of Adam because they are conceived in uh, the flesh. Um, now, we believe in the character and nature of God that, God being a just God and also equally being a loving God, um, he is going to do whatever he is going to do with aborted babies or stillborn babies or toddlers that die. Um, it, whatever it is, it will be just and it will be to God's glory. David oh. believed that he would see his mm -hmm. son again. And so that's pretty much the only straw that we have to grasp in terms of what happens with, you know, young children that don't have a chance to understand the gospel. David nah, says that he that. is going to see his stillborn son again. So now, um, I mean, if, if, if all mankind inherited Adam's, um, I guess, 
I guess you would say, uh, getting cut off spiritually. Um, I mean, God, God would be just um, in in that in that particular construct if he did, you know, uh, abort. I guess you know, I guess send babes to the hell, whatever it is, if that was the case, and so on and so forth. I I don't see that, you know, I I don't see that that would be something that God would do, um, but. <clears throat> I, I I guess what I'm trying to wrap my head around is like what actually happened at the garden to the day that you see the screw you shall um you know you you shall surely die or something like that. I, I've I've looked into different I guess interpretations. Um it seems it seems to me what initially um uh, put forth is a a a physical death. Um, you know, you're cut away from the tree of life that would sustain your life um if anything would happen you're you're kind of closed outside of that um i i i'm trying to wrap my head around um the especially the children portion you know um and also with Christ right you know Christ had to be a perfect sacrifice without spot nor blemish you know just paraphrasing the idea of scripture and so on and so forth and if he was born in the flesh you know, he would automatically have inherited something that's detained, uh, that that was would be something that would be tainting on his nature, which would disqualify him from the position of you know playing the role of salvation, unless the um, he didn't inherit the guilt per se, meaning, but he inherited since you know Adam was I guess the federal headship. Uh, I, I'm not used to usually used to using that term, but he would inherit what would happen to the physical body, which would um, the corruption and so on and so forth, but he didn't inherit Adam's guilt. No, he's not held accountable for what Adam did willfully. But since he is in the body of Adam, I guess you can say, you know, he would inherit death until you know he would overcome it, and so on and so forth. Um, but if you if you have Adam, if you have Christ inheriting Adam's guilt, um, you kind of take take the sacrifice unless he inherited flesh that. Um, that is corruptible that if you were not Christ you would be overcome by it and would sin but he overcame he was test, you know, tempted on all sides but you know what I'm saying sure. but still he, he never let me, sinned let me ask you this himself. question Daniel let me ask you this why was the virgin birth necessary um, I would say I would I would tie it with the concept of what happens um, like even in the Old Testament you know um, it, it was it was symbolic in the sense where um, uh, this, is, this is not absolute, but this is just me reasoning. You know, um, in the same con in the same thread of Abraham, where you know Sarah's womb, she was barren, and then um, you know they, they were old and they were stricken in age into the place where you know they weren't even able to uh, to produce children, and then God comes up and he does a similar idea with with Jesus and he creates Israel you know um i would say it you know definitely a sign um in that nature i mean cuz we we can say that okay it was a, a, the reason why it needed to be a virgin birth so he would inherit the sins of adam but but then we have a problem because he's he's still from the line of david you know we still have mary in the picture where she's you know, and I think that's where the Catholic Church try to 
solve that problem by, you know, in, you know, inventing the immaculate conception so that he wouldn't be tainted on either side. But that, well, you know, I, but that, what was the that, thing you were, what was the thing you were talking about, Chris, last time? How it wasn't like the direct descendant of whatever, which because of the um, adoption from Joseph, so he was in the line of David, but not the direct whatever. Yeah, he was not uh, in the line Jehoiakim with the curse of Jehoiakim. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Yep. Someone's so, not so reading. Yeah. Uh, run that back <laughs> so Jeremiah 22, verse 24, is where you'll find uh, Je Je Jeconiah's um, line is cursed. So by being born of a virgin, Jesus would skip over that curse. But he would inherit the king, the kingdom or the kingship from adoption through Joseph. Mm -hmm. So, so Vaniel, the other thing that we're talking about here in terms of the virgin birth, the reason it was necessary is that the sin nature, according to the scripture, is passed on through the man. And so the reason that we have to have a virgin birth is twofold. A, Jesus has to have his divine nature inserted and, in, in, well, not inserted. He takes on an additional human nature through the incarnation. So the idea here is that with the virgin birth, he is able to do this without the taint of having original sin. Wait, where, where does it say that sin nature on passes through the man world? So Romans chapter 5, uh, I mean, it's all throughout the scripture. So when you see... one man, Adam came to sin, like, so what, one man comes salvation, something like that? I'm butchering it. Yeah, Romans 5.12, but... Yeah, so, so, sorry. So, so Vaniel, what I would say is, like, th this is a good discussion, but read the article above um, that I posted um, and do a little bit more research on federal headship. Here is the thing. If Jesus is truly man and truly God, the truth of the incarnation must be that he was born of human flesh in uh, Mary's womb of Mary. The idea that Jesus would be avoiding any of that and would be a separate creation that we heard about from the Hebrew Israelite yesterday, um, simply A, doesn't hold water, and B, doesn't make any sense, and C, would destroy the entire gospel. So the entire gospel would be forfeit if Jesus was what we call a special creation. And so, yeah. And so, so the idea that Jesus is somehow born with a fallen human nature um, is not something that the church has ever believed. It is not taught in the scripture. Uh, that is a, it was actually an, an, an idea introduced by a theologian in the 20th century named Karl Barth, B-A-R-T-H. Oh, and that's so, funny. Yeah. So, uh Romans 5 says, um, by one man sin entered into the world, and then uh, uh, sin, uh, death, yeah, that one. death mm -hmm. passed on to all men. All right, you're getting a little bit hard to hear, though. It's kind of choppy and a weak signal. Oh, sorry. Can, can you hear me now? Uh, we can hear you. It's just faint. Oh, okay. Sorry. Let me speak up a little bit louder. Uh, now it's faint um, and choppy. Yeah. So, um, 
maybe I had to take off. But I put on my, I'm in Publix right now, so I had to put on my little hotspot so it's not cut off. Um, so it's, it seems to me that Romans 5.12 speaks about uh, death passing on to all men. You know, uh, Adam introduced sin into the world. Consequences of sin would be death, and death passed on to all men. Um, what I would say that it's not Jesus didn't inherit a guilt, but he did inherit a flesh that is corruptible. You know, um, just like I, I don't know. Well, the, the scripture says in the likeness of corrupted human flesh, but Jesus Himself was not corrupted right. because right. again. Do you believe that his flesh his, his flesh being able to die was part of the, the curse of Adam or the flesh was always no. going to be able to die? Your flesh is always going to be able to die. That's why there was the tree of life. So, so here's the thing, is that Jesus has to be fully man in order... Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, sorry. I'm at church and somebody was just pounding something. Okay, so... Jesus always had to be able to die. That is part of the human condition. But he was not born with a fallen human nature. He was born first. Right. So in theory, Jesus could have sinned because, you know, he was tempted. He was tempted in us, like us in every way, but did not sin. So if that's what we're getting at, like in theory, yes, corruptible flesh, like would have been able to be corrupted. But... He never sinned, so he was never corrupted. Is is that what we're getting at? Are, are you saying that uh, physical death was natural? I'm saying so, two different things. I, th I think we're having two different conversations. Yeah. Oh. So so Vaniel, after the fall, right? So so after the fall, Jesus came as fully human. That means that he was mortal. Okay. Adam and Eve. Born in the garden, or made in the garden. Sorry, they're drilling out a door here at church. Um, Adam and Eve, as made in the garden, were made good. They were not made perfect, or they would not have been able to fall. All right. And Vaniel, I believe Publix has Wi-Fi. Try connecting to that. But Noel's been up here a long time. I wanted to see what Noel has to say while you check your Wi-Fi signal. I think you can connect to Publix. What's up, Noel? Hi, Nate. Uh, good morning to you guys. Good morning. I was just listening into your last uh, your last dialogue there, and I had a follow-up question. Sure. Um, you said that it was necessary for Jesus to be born of a virgin. But when you, I mean, is that really a fair thing to say? Because when you introduce the concept of an all-powerful being, can you really say that any X was necessary for Y? Because an all-powerful being should not have to adhere to any sort of necessity rules like that. Yeah, so maybe not the way you're saying it. So, like, I, I totally would think that if God just wanted to snap his fingers and say everyone's good, I forgive everyone, or if he just wanted to skip the entire material existence— and just be like, forget all this. I'm not making planets. I'm not making matter. No, nah, I'm going to make all of you perfect. You're all spiritual beings. Yay. You're my pets forever. Like, I, I don't see any reason why God couldn't do that. I think uh, but I think I think the way things happen, the way they happen. Uh, yeah, the way things happen, the way they happen. Like, why ever, you know, God is playing this game in this sandbox. 
like if you look at it that way, um, why he's doing this, then I think for the way the way the sandbox is created, that's the way it needed to go. Uh, what, Tippy? I was going to say, I think that would make God a hypocrite, right? God sets out these laws for his people and his people. So him coming um, into to human flesh is also going to be obedient to the laws that he set out. Otherwise, he would be hypocritical. And that's just not the God that we worship. So, yes, he, he set out these plans. He adheres to those plans and he is faithful. Um, the Bible tells us that all throughout. I agree with that. Okay, so if that is the case, then wouldn't you have to at least... Uh, acknowledge that everything that happens uh god for some reason prefers it to be that way as opposed to any other way i don't know if you could say prefer i mean i guess that would get into like you know um that, that could almost get back to like a free will conversation but what god ultimately wants to happen is going to happen but i think there's there's leniency and there's theological terminology you can insert there um so, you know, God has his, like, you know, the different wills of God, right? Like his preferential will, his ideal will, whatever. They'll use different words. Chris is judging me right now. But, um, uh, brother, you got to mute, bro. Lots of noise. Um, anyway, so God will allow certain things to happen that may not be exactly, you know, what God wants. Um, whether it's because, you know, God, God, for whatever reason. But then if you read things like prophecies where he's like, this is going to happen because this is what I want and I'm going to get what I want versus there is an allotment that people can do things that are maybe not exactly what God would prefer in a perfect world, but he'll like let this rubber band go so, go so far before he snaps it back. I'm trying to tiptoe around because I know Chris is, tell, is about to tell me I'm getting like all these theological terms wrong, but my point still stands. Point still stands. <laughs> I would say it like this. Yeah, God could snap his fingers, but uh, God is a covenantal God and that he would want to uh, do things in a way that would uh, not violate his covenant is one reason why he jumps through hoops. Well, I have to say, I still don't understand a uh, an all-powerful being jumping through hoops, but... Uh, there's a lot of, of I, uh, it's, 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 well, it's just so the Bible, I mean, the Bible speaks to this. It talks about like, you know, this is great because it, this, this is the answer. Like there, there's nowhere to go. It's full stop. The Bible says, uh, you know, in this, like this way, Jesus was tempted. And then it goes on to say, so we don't have a high priest who can't identify with us and doesn't know our struggles, but like in every possible way, he knows our temptations. He knows our struggling struggles. He has experienced life as us. Um, and I just see that so clearly. Because if God just, you know, snapped his fingers and just did what he want, can you imagine the level of complaining that would go on and being like, oh, you can't identify as us. My pain is real. You don't know my pain. So I can see that as a glowing reason why God's like, yes, let me experience life exactly the way you do for your benefit. I can do whatever I want. I'm omnipotent. I'm omniscient. I can do anything I want, but let me appease you uh, because, you know, Philippians 2, 6 says he took the, uh, didn't consider advantage of God somebody to be, or, or equality of God somebody to be taken advantage of, but instead humbled himself um, even to the point of death on a cross by his creation. Like, I, I, would not, I would not be that big a person. I think most of us wouldn't. Thankfully, we have a God who is and who took this role of a humble servant, because if I were deity, I can almost be sure, big, 
Oh, you don't like what I did? You don't think my mate makes right? Zap, ant, zap, ant. I would not be a good god. So, um, you know, thankfully we have a god who is better than all of us. So I, I can see that as a, a shining example of, uh, yes, he humbled himself and he took the form of a servant. He gently showed us how to do our life, how to do, live a perfect example. And then he gave himself for us. So this way we can't like armchair quarterback and be like, you could have done it different. You could have done it better. My pain is real. You don't know me. Anyways. Well, Nate, for the record, it sounds like you would make a great uh, Greek god. Maybe an evil one. Yeah. Nate would be a really good Greek god. <laughs> uh, no. Does, does that make sense? Whether you agree or not, Like that's a very, very plausible, I think, pretty accurate reason why he did this versus just snapping fingers and stuff. It's like the it, gosh, it also it's like click. Remember that Adam Sandler movie? Wow, another bad analogy. Um, how you know he got so sick of like the annoyances of life, he just hit fast forward and skip and skip and skip. And then by the end of his movie, he is like an old man and like skipped his whole life. I mean, if for no other reason, like it's not like humans can't grasp the concept, no matter how the, theologically inaccurate click may be to this. But I mean, we shouldn't have trouble like grasping some some ideas and be like, oh, okay, my head can wrap around this. This could be a perfectly reasonable hypothesis why God did things, you know, the way the story is laid out versus just fast forwarding or clicking or, you know, pressing done. Well, I, I won't beat a dead horse. I'll let the next person go. But I, I would just, I would say, as you're answering other questions and saying certain things, um, whenever you say, if X didn't happen, then Y couldn't have happened. Or uh, like, kind of, as you said, if, if I had done that, I wouldn't have been a good God. Well, you're talking about an all-powerful being who defines literally everything, including goodness. So like, to say if X didn't happen, then Y wouldn't have happened, it, it really doesn't make sense with well, an all-powerful dog. Like, well, there's, there's no way around this. I don't, well, I don't well, think. Then, but, well, well, hang on. Well, well, then that shouldn't be the question then. The question should be going all the way back to the beginning. Because, like, you know, I like your name, Noel. But, I mean, if we want to go back to the, to the very beginning, instead of quibbling over why this, why this, we're so, if we want to take that route, we're so far away from what we should be talking about, which is the beginning of everything. Like right after, you know, whenever, whenever God, like he says, you know, I'm the beginning, whenever, whenever that was like infinitely regressing all the way back and back and back, like right before God created anything, this, this realm, the spiritual realm, angels, demons happen, like before any of this other stuff, if you want to take your argument back to the beginning, we should say, why did God do any of that? Why didn't he just skip all of that, make us perfect with him forever? And I mean, as ridiculous as that sounds, like that's where this could be reduced to, because if we're not talking about that, we're already one, one degree away from anything that matters. And then by the fact that we're talking about where we are, like why did God have to do it this way? We are so many degrees away from, because if we rectify this and then we go back to the next degree, we rectify that and we can, we can go back till the end of time and never get to the beginning. So I, I know that may not be satisfactory, but that's where we are. So like to answer your question of, of why this, why that, we need to be like, well, why anything? Why the very first thing? Why was the very first thing God did create humans in a spiritual realm and skip angels, skip all of that, and just be perfect forever? That's the why we really need to be asking for your question. Uh, Chris, go ahead. No, Unless I mean, you're kneeling I, before your cardboard cutouts. Right, exactly. No, I mean, that's, yeah. The thing is, Noel, is that God reveals himself to us and his character in nature. 
So when we say God is all powerful, what we also say is the caveat to that is he has also revealed to us that he will never do something outside of his character and nature. So whilst he is all powerful, the other great making properties that he has will also kick in. So like God cannot do things that are say logically contradictory because God himself is the basis for logic. So he cannot violate his own character and nature. We say that there's a lot of stuff that God can't do. Um, and it is because he is a good God. He is a faithful God, um, but he is powerful. So that is why we say that God has restrained his great making properties to keep what we define as his goodness. That is his consistency and his immutability. You know, it's like Aristotle's unmoved mover, right? You know, he cannot move. He is immutable. That is one of God's great making properties. All right. Well, thanks for the chat, guys. Hope you have a good day. Sure, sure. You too. What's up, brother? Do you have anything to say? Hello, Bob down there. Oh, boy. What's up, brother? I'm at church. Don't upset me by bringing Bob up. Nah, we we gave them the floor for like an hour and a half the other day. We're talking to some other people. Heretic Unless brother doesn't want fun. to speak. Heretic was, fight was uh, good very, times. It was entertaining. It got a lot of a lot of positive feedback. I mean, there was the occasional comment like, "How could you possibly allow this? Repent!" Um, but most of it, they understood. It's a different way of skinning the same cat. Well, let's have Bob and uh, Baptized fight it out in the chat. That'd probably be entertaining. I mean, you know, if you, if Bob and Baptized can fight it out in the chat good enough um, and there's no one else that wants to speak, we, we may let you guys continue up here in voice. Oh, man. Heretic Fight 2.0. We got to get that Yaju guy back. I've never him. met that guy before I heard him speak. Um, so... I, I don't know. Did you hear him say like that was that was a that was a thing of the day? Like he said, I, I guess he believes you have to, you know, take the eat and drink the blood of Yah or whatever. Um, and he's like, I'm sacrificing Yah right now because he was like eating a steak or something. He's like eating a bloody steak. And he's like, I'm sacrificing Yah because I guess he thought that's what he needed to do. I'm like, oh my, oh my. Yeah, the Yaju guys. You know, the Yaju himself has gotten on here before on Clubhouse. Oh, I'm sure he's on Clubhouse. I don't think I've talked to him though. Dude, I talked to that guy, and he he uh, can rhyme. And so I made the rule if he ever wants to come up and talk to us on our <laughs> stages that he has to say everything in rhyme. And the dude did it, and it was epic. Oh, wow! Why don't you take a stab at that, Chris? No. Or will you miss is it scandal list? I I would no. People would people would clip oh, that and it would be the we, greatest day of their life. Oh, we we should all set a goal for ourselves to try to do that. Bob and baptize. That is your challenge. Talk to each other, but it has to be in rhyme. There you go. Yeah, that Yaju guy would destroy them. Like he's oh, pretty have good time. at Drop a dime. Yeah. <laughs> That's so bad it's a crime we'll see if yeah there you go it's so sublime um 
be a mime. See what I did there. Yeah. So, um, no, the, the, those cats were, yeah, that Yaju cat is, is special, but, uh, yeah, special Olympic special. Um, nah. <laughs> but he, yeah, he just has some fun stuff to say. Uh, I was like, okay, cool. Cause I had never run into him before. And then all of a sudden, like all of his followers showed up. So it was like me and like, I don't know, a few other people. Uh, it was like Dempsey and a couple other people, you know, of course, Dempsey is the most sober, like soft spoken guy. And then this, these Yaju characters invade and it was just hilarity. And do you know why it's, why is it Yaju? Like, what is that? Like, I guess Yahweh is part of it. And then Jew, because they're quasi want to be Jewish. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, he's got an entire YouTube channel and he's got an entire, like he's all over social media. This is oh. how he gets his harem. Have you researched You know about this guy? the harem. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know about his harem, right? Ask Steph about his harem. She will oh. tell you all about it. She's interacted with the, the female followers of Yaju, each of which have had one of his kids. No! Oh, yeah. How I, many I, child... How, how many does he have? I don't want to misquote. I don't have a number. But I'm sure you could go and look, and it'll tell you all of his children. Like, how many oh, my... Have. I mean, this guy is, like, super average, right? Like, he's not, like, super charismatic or super, like, handsome or wealthy or anything like that, right? He's just, like, a normal guy. Yeah, he's just a really smooth liar, and he can rhyme, so, you know. So if we could rhyme and we were better at lying, then we could have harems? We could have a cult, yeah, and go to hell, but, you know, I'm not sure I want to Yeah, right, that. I mean, see, that's, I mean, see, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm reminded that, you know, sometimes people will be like, you don't need God to be good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, look, you don't, people don't need to espouse a belief in a God to be a good moral person. However, some do. And then there are some who are, you know, kind of could go either way. Like, you know, for, for me, I wouldn't need to espouse God to, to be like, well, you know, I don't need to rob and murder people and stuff like that. I don't need to espouse a God to do those things. I'm not going to do those things. However, when you bring up, you know, like harems and, you know, like earthly possessions and stuff like that, um, you know, or profit from dishonest gain. I don't know. It's like, well, things that the uh, dishonest gain may everyone would consider that bad, but you know, like uh, consensual sex with tons of weird hookers from around the land. It's like, you know, the world doesn't consider that immoral. So I'm going to say, you know, in this case, I would need the belief in a God to, you know, abstain from this stuff because otherwise what reason is there? It's like, well, it's consensual. Everyone's fine, blah, 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 regardless of all the other earthly troubles it gives you. Cause there's consequences for that. Um, I'm not a perfect person, Chris. I don't know if you knew that about me or not. No, you're the perfect Greek god. <laughs> um, can I, I? I got a question about the original sin. Yeah, um, that'd be a good one. Thank you, baptized. Bob. Oh, Bob, Thank you, you baptized. This. All right, yeah, so Bob, let me know. You answered his question. Okay, so I just want to give a big disclaimer here. All right, so we're going to let Bob and Baptized talk a little bit, and it's just all your fault, everyone listening, for not being on Clubhouse, and those who are, for not speaking. So this is your fault. As pilot, I wash my hands. Uh, yeah, Baptize and Bob, you guys can chat for a little bit. Let this be known. The majority, the overwhelming majority of the Christian traditional position uh, would disagree vehemently with everything Bob and Baptized are about to probably say. Um, that being said... This is not the official position of the Ask a Christian Room, uh, but go ahead, Bob, and baptize. Baptize, you had a question for Bob. Well, not not for Bob, just uh, I want to, wouldn't original sin be fair to say it died in the flood? 
because uh, if original sin exists, then Jesus had to be born with original sin because he was born just like every other human. So well, we've, we, we've, well, we covered that. First of all, it wouldn't be, the flood wouldn't have taken care of it because um, there were still survivors of the flood. So that would have carried really? on through them. Secondly, it's not, we're not guilty for Adam's sin. We have a sin nature. We have a disposition to sin, which is where the virgin birth takes care of that. But all that sin died in the flood, and all of our bloodlines uh, started at Noah. Every okay, human no. being was born uh, from, from the family of Noah today. Well, that was my answer. So, Bob, take it away. Well, you know that uh, that God cried, and that's what flooded the earth. So he baptized the earth with his tears, and it, <laughs> and it washed it clean. And then God blessed Noah with everything. What do you think about that, baptized? Well, is that scripture? It will be. That he cried? It will be. It will be if I write it down. Well, uh, you know, the living water, uh, it originated it at the at the altar of the sacrifices. That's where it all started for the living water. And I believe those are the tears of all the people repenting that at the altar of their sins. But uh, that's why the sacrifices were. Well, I kind of thought the living water started in Eden and it, you know, split into four rivers. But what do I know? No, it, it's scripture. I I'm not sure of the verse, but yeah, it started underneath the, the altar of the sacrifices. Well, I don't think they had any, any animals until uh, Adam saw some. So I don't know what they were sacrificing. What do you think they were sacrificing? Tomatoes and carrots or something? You mean that the well the altar was for the sacrifices, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't see a mention of an altar in Eden. I just saw a garden and a river, and Adam made you know to take care of it for a while. I'll have to uh, find that scripture, but that uh, that's what it says. Yeah, if you can find that in Genesis chapter one, two, or three, I'd like to see it. But um, I'll have to search it. Just a second. But don't yeah. you believe that uh, uh, Jesus uh, had to be born with original sin? Uh, like I said, just because he was born as a human, same as us. And everybody died in the flood. So the bloodline of Adam and Eve ended at the flood. And, and only eight were saved. And those are where all the humans today came from. Yeah, I, makes sense. I just, I just never had believed in that original sin stuff. Anyway, I thought it was a, you know, something the devil came up with. Right, uh, that's not scripture, is it? Original sin. It is for Roman Catholics. So it, it, original sin is another man-made uh, theory or, a, you know, um, because just like uh, uh, Trinitarian and oneness and um, the, uh, the rapture, all those are man-made. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk to you. Quit calling me. I think that's the devil trying to contact you with some new doctrine, Bob. No, it's somebody in some foreign country, and I don't know how I answered it, but I'll get off. Please sign me up to your newsletter. Yes, sign me up for your newsletter. I just do videos. <laughs> I'm Bob the Builder, remember? Oh, my gosh. Preach to him, Bob. Preach to him. You pagans cannot upset me today because I just got to hold the cutest baby for like two, three minutes. It was great. And this baby was Chris. cooing, and he was smiling. He was spitting Do you hear up what's on going me. on? Bob's talking to a Spanish telemarketer. No, this ain't no telemarketer. This is Sonia Rafa, R-A-F-A-Q-A-T. From like, where? Date I don't. No, I'm. I'm. I'm saying five. No, I hung up. I was on video chat. Uh, Someone was calling you on video chat in Spanish for some unknown no, reason. No. Do you have a harem? No, that's that's Yaji you got that. I, I'm so I got confused. A, I got a wife. I've had her for fifty five years. So who's this woman calling you on video chat? Video chat out of the I unknown? just told you. I just told oh, you your wife? her name. No, this is some some person you, you you don't know except the name that showed up, you, right? If you yeah, well, if you'd lower yourself down to Facebook and uh, you know that other whatever they got Messenger. You can I be have friends. Messenger, messenger, but random people don't call me. Well, that's because you're busy with uh, Chris too much. Yeah, that's probably a problem. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, well, bab baptized, uh, you and Bob seem to be agreeing too much right now. Um, do you want to join forces and combine denominations or, or make one of your own? No, we're just going to destroy them all. That's what me and Baptized would do. Here, let's start a schism. Hey, Baptized, you got to cry to be saved. <laughs> uh, unless Baptized is getting calls from strangers, too. Well, I'm sorry. I was trying to find that scripture where uh, the living water started at the underneath the, the uh, altar. But... um. Yeah, I believe living living water. It's not tears. It's it's living water. That's what uh, that's the connection for us for salvation. But tears are living water, you say. Right. That's why Jesus in John seven thirty seven thirty eight he says, at the, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus cried out saying, "If you are thirsty, come to me and drink." As Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being. And he's talking about the spirit. It makes sense. It's a metaphor for crying. And there you go, Bob. The the evidence is a lot of people cried when they're saved. They, they well, just well by what saved. you're saying, only the people. Huh? Uh, no one is saved who hasn't cried. So you said a lot of people cried when they're saved. Well, no. Every according to you, everyone who is saved cried. So the people who didn't cry when they were saved, well, they actually weren't saved, like Bob. Look, last well, week, uh, wait, 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 baptized. Last week, you said the people that you went to the funeral or you go to funerals and sometimes, you know, all of a sudden there was a spirit, you know, comes through and they go to wailing and crying. And uh, that was speaking in tongues, wasn't it? No, what, what I meant by that is, I mean, I believe speaking in tongue is a sound made weeping. 
And the, and I was using that as evidence that uh, or, or crying and weeping, these people crying at the funeral, they're not being saved. I'm just saying that that, that is an unknown language, crying, and it's a verbal language and you can hear it. It's not this mumble jumble you hear. Um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't. On Sunday, somebody had a room and every person was speaking in tongue all at the same time here in Clubhouse. And it just, it was corny. <laughs> Yeah, they had like yeah corny. People. Corny is a nice word for it, but anyway, yeah. But Jesus wept over uh, Jerusalem, you know, when he was coming to Jerusalem, and his yeah, tears are salty. Exactly. So there you go. And Jesus told uh, the people of, uh, I think it was, I'm not sure who it was. He said, "Weep for yourselves." He said, "Don't weep for me or who, who it was." He said, "Weep for yourselves because." That's the connection. That's what brings you to salvation. That's when you feel born again. I mean, uh, it makes more sense because uh, crying is a, something a human being does, and you do it when you're totally cut to the heart. And you have to believe with all your heart to be a Christian. And, and your sins are forgiven when you're born again. And you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the reason in today's Christianity, the problem is, is there should not be a water baptism. But today, if you talk to most Christians and say, what is baptism? They'll tell you to go to the church and, and get dunked under water. That's totally wrong. That there, Jesus never wanted us to do that. Matthew 28 has been misunderstood. Well, Bob, sounds like you're beat. Well, Jesus, I don't think there's ever any evidence that Jesus ever baptized anybody in water. I mean, exactly. He didn't. Well, from what why, I can why read, refuse to baptize John the Baptist if he knew he was going to tell us to all baptize. Probably because, because it doesn't exist. It's only for John the Baptist. Well, John baptized Jesus, so it must have been for Jesus too. No, see, that's another, you, people don't understand why John baptized with water. John baptized with water, I said this last time, John the Baptist was out immersing people underwater looking for a dove. When he, he, if he put a person underwater, he looked and he said, oh, that, this ain't the guy, and he kept going on, but when he did come to Jesus, what happened? The heavens opened up, the dove came down, and God himself said, this is my son. That was the ending of water baptism because water baptism was a, a, uh, a litmus test so John the Baptist could find Jesus and testify he was the son of God. And the evidence is in Scripture. You know, you got your John 1, 1 where uh, the word was God, then the word became flesh. But what happens in John 1, 6? There was a man who, whose name is John. He came as a witness to testify about the light. And, and it says all that, the reason he did that is so we would all believe. And then if you go into John 5, uh, 135, or 535, Jesus said, you know, John the Baptist was, uh, you know, Jesus' testimony wasn't valid. But there was one who, whose testimony was true, talking about John the Baptist. And he said, I mentioned this so that you will be saved. 
So in other words, salvation and belief all starts with John the Baptist. And lately, what I've been preaching, if you don't understand John the Baptist, you will never understand Jesus. And that's what's happening. Today's Christianity has the cart in front of the horse. They're, they're all arguing, who was Jesus? Was he the son of God or was he God? Or, you know, was, was he a hypostatic union? That's all the cart in front of the horse because they don't understand who John the Baptist was. And John the Baptist came, what, as a, to prepare the way. Well, Jesus, and, Jesus, said, Jesus said John was Elijah. That's what Jesus said. Remember? Right, because John the Baptist was, he was, he was chosen just like Jesus because his father was told by God, you have to call him John. And, and, and he lost his voice. His father did because he didn't, call, he didn't call him John. But the minute he called him John, he got his voice back. That's how yeah. important John the Baptist is. Yeah, but that's what was important was that the angel told John he asked for a sign and he got one. And the angel just said, until all this that I've just told you happens, uh, you won't be saying much or anything at all. So, uh, 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 Jesus or John's father or, or G John himself? Gabriel. No, Gabriel is the one that gave the verdict on, you know, the sign. I mean, uh, John, uh, Zachariah asked for a sign. Yeah, right. How will I know, you know, that what you say going to happen? You know, his wife's old. Then, right. Uh, that's what but I'm anyway, but anyway, he didn't tell him you're going to have to cry to get it. This got nothing to do with crying. Now we're talking about John the Baptist. The evidence, I'm, the evidence is true. John the Baptist was a special person chosen by God because Zechariah had to call him John and he lost his voice. That's how special John the Baptist was. And what I'm trying to say here, until you understand John the Baptist, you'll never understand Jesus. And today's Christianity is so upside down, it's a, it's a shame. And uh, that's why, like I said, uh, John the Baptist used water to identify Jesus as the Son of God because he had, there had to be a human being to testify Jesus was the Son of God. And that's why John the Baptist was chosen. To, that was his mission. And that's why the minute he baptized Jesus, what, right after that, he got his head cut off? No, not right after that. That wasn't right after that, but he did get his head cut off. But the, yeah, but, but a voice, uh, wait, wait, just a minute. A God spoke from heaven, you know, after John baptized him. Exactly, because he, he told was, John, this is my son. That was the testimony. He just, you, you think John was the only one that heard the voice? I think so, yes. Well, I guess you could be right. I can't, you know, argue one way or the other. I, what, what about you, uh, Nate, Chris? Y'all. I think the person in? writing it down heard the voice. That's why they wrote it down. Well, John got his head cut off, and I don't think John wrote this part of John, but you might. Well, not that John. John the Baptist didn't write John. Well, John. But what are you trying to say? That uh, why did John, okay, 
Bob, the original question I asked you the other day, why did John come water baptizing in water? The one who sent him told him what to do. Okay, told him what? To start baptizing. For what reason? Because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. That's why he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and started baptizing. Okay, was that baptism have a ritual? Was, did John say any words to those people when he, he put them underwater? Did, did he say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Or, or, or what, what happened there? That's what I'm trying to get. When he, when, he, uh, when he brought them up out the water, he called them a brood of vipers. What's wrong with you? You need to do something right and stop doing wrong. The Pharisees were coming up thinking John's water baptism would save them or something. And he said, you know, produce fruits of repentance. Well, that's what he said. That's what I told you. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't understand that. um, You know why it was called a, a baptism of repentance? Because the people were repenting of their sins when they came up to him and and they were crying and another reason the water came in handy is they could wash up after weeping and you saw that you saw that in what movie i'm telling you scripture wasn't it called a baptism of repentance Uh, not by yeah later on yeah it was a baptism of repentance but not not john didn't say that yes he did no john said i baptize you with water he who comes after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I know what John said. And and if you understand what the contents of what you just said is, only John baptized with water. But he told the people to look forward to the one coming after him, Jesus, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So right no, there's... Listen, listen I, I read here where a guy, you know, was told to go catch up with a guy riding in a buggy, and uh, he was reading Isaiah. Well, and they the they found some water now. Now he he, he baptized with the Holy Spirit. He needed he bat- the water because he knew he was going to cry of his sins. That's the reason uh, uh, he goes, "Hey, there's water." Because it's back then they didn't have running water, and if you're weeping like the Paul river, was they the river, river was the river was running, but it had nothing to do with. Uh, believer's baptism, uh, as today's believer's baptism, which is a lie. Uh, well, I don't believe a lie, Bob. I, I'm trying to I, preach the gospel here, but you guys got to sit down and start thinking is Patrick's making sense? I yeah. have thought about that. Well, Patrick, he's. Patrick, I, I, you're making some sense, but when you think I need to listen, find out something about John and a dove, I think I better pay more attention to Jesus and what he said. Well, you just made a point uh, for my, for me, because like I said, today the big thing is if you don't understand John the Baptist, you'll never understand Jesus. But, and I, understand, Je- but I understand Jesus, so I understand John the Baptist. And do you know what do you know what the scriptures John 1 31 to 34 says? This is what it says. John the Baptist said, For I did not know him, except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. This is John getting a, a, a he's getting a message from God. He God said, The one that you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. 
This was told to John before he even started baptizing. Okay, so well, guess. What's, uh, what's the contents of John 1.33? If somebody can read it, so you know that I'm not pulling it out of my head, read that scripture and tell me the contents of it, Bob. Look, I, I got to say this to Nate. Uh, my wife is, is expecting me to drive back home. It's a two-hour drive. And uh, the one who told John to baptize Jesus told me that I have to go with my wife. Okay, that's fine. But, but uh, Nate, but did you, you hear what I said? Did you, wait a minute. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I said if you have to leave, that's fine. I said the one who told John to baptize in water told me that well, I had to go drive my wife. Uh, so you're you're a prophet and you've got messages from God. I do get messages from God and that's the one that I got. Thank you, uh, Nate, Chris. I hope I hope you get. I hope they don't you know remove you from whatever they can remove you from. But anyway, I. I'll be back. I just have things to do. Thank you, but I'll listen. I, my oh, wife won't. My wife, uh, my wife does not like to hear this stuff. But I got these headset on. I'll keep listening. Go ahead, Nate. Turn it. I'm turning this back over to Nate and Chris. Thank well, thank you, you, Bob, and have a pleasant drive. Um, no, well, baptize. Nate. I'm not reading a scripture, so you can take it out of context. If you want it, you're going to have to read it all by yourself. And Baptistocostal, this is not. This is hanging. Bapticostal, this I, I can't read right now. I'm in the middle of a Fortnite battle. Um, well, someone else, if they want to read uh, it. Bapticostal, no, this is not going to be a weekly feature. It's because I blame you. You're going to no cut me off. I'm going to finish saying what I was saying. You've been talking for 20 minutes. Um, I'm addressing some stuff in the chat. Felix, uh, no, this is not a weekly feature. This is because nobody else had anything to say. So uh, Bob and Baptized are both here, so we let them go at it. And well, Steph, yes, the great Pope. Go ahead, Baptized. Okay. <laughs> All I'm asking is, is somebody to read John 1.33, give me the contents and tell me John the Baptist wasn't told from God that, uh, that to look for the dove and uh, that's the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that's the whole reason John the Baptist used water to baptize. And it's scripture and it's right there, John 1.33. I just want you guys to read it out of the Bible so you know that I'm not pulling it out of my head. We know you're probably getting the text right. Um, we question your interpretation and how you're butchering yeah, the context. That's what I'm asking you for. Give me the true interpretation. You're the one who answers the question. I've got a question. What is the All content? Right. Easy, of easy. Man, you, you, are, you are anxious. All right, John 133, is that what you want? Yes. John 133. Is anyone else having trouble with version Bible? That thing, like, constantly, like, messes up all right bible gateway john 1 33 behold the lamb of god Hang on a second, I can answer text my wife. Oh, what does she want? How's everyone's day going? Everyone's day going? Give me one second to answer this, and I'll read your scripture baptized. 
Does anyone else have Walmart Plus? It's a pretty good program. It's like eight bucks a month. They like bring your groceries to your house and you get discounts on gas and stuff like that. Commercial. What are we doing now? Are they still fighting John, it out? I was getting my wife a code for gasoline. <laughs> yeah, we're about buy, to read this thing. You can buy gasoline with a code? What is this? Yeah, no, no his, it's, wife, it's his a, wife needs the numbers. We have Walmart Plus and you get discounts, but I'm the only one responsible enough to download the app. So she's like, I need a gas code. So I have to send it so she can get a discount. Okay, John. You, okay, I'm, glad you, I'm glad she didn't hear you say that. She might have something to say. Well, she tried calling, so maybe maybe I'm still on the phone right now. I got All right. You. Uh, be, behold the Lamb of God. The next day, Jesus, uh, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, uh, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Okay, right there you see that God used water baptism for John the Baptist to identify Jesus as the Son of God. And that in no what, way, shape, or form means that water baptism is now done away with. Like, you try to take one point that we all agree to, well, you try to take one point we all agree to, and then do something completely crazy with it, and, like, extrapolate other points based on that. Nowhere can you rightly get that. Like, yeah, we all agree with the scripture, but then to say because of that, that means, for some reason, baptism has gone away. Someone better tell all the people after that, and someone better tell Paul that, who baptized a couple people himself. So someone better tell all the first century Christians that they were doing it wrong when they got baptized in water and the spirit. They better say, no, 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 that water didn't count. You guys shouldn't have been doing that. When John the Baptist says, for I baptize with water, is he talking about a lot of people when, for I baptize with water, but the one coming after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Is John the Baptist, when he says, I baptize with water, does he, is he talking about a lot of people? The, the the numerical is not in there. He just says, I baptize. I mean, you can, you can, you can rightly get that he did a lot of baptism. So he, hang on two things. You can rightly garner that he baptized a lot of people, but in what you just said, there's not a numerical value. He says, I baptize with water. Does that mean one? Does that mean a thousand? I mean, we know from reading the text, you can assume it's, it's a lot of people, but he also doesn't say, and it ends with me. Like, look, I mean, you know, the Bible goes past John the Baptist, right? Like if you read the rest of the stuff that people were doing, Someone needed to tell Jesus, guys, don't baptize with water. Like people were getting baptized from the time Jesus before Jesus was baptized until after Jesus was ascended again. Like people have been baptized all the time. So somewhere along the way, someone would have been like, you know, Paul comparing the law of the spirit to the law of sin and death. He would have said, and by baptism, this is the baptism of the spirit because the baptism of water has passed to exist or ceased to exist. There's no mention of that. And all these first century Christians are getting baptized in water. So no one told them they were doing it wrong. But isn't it funny that when John the Baptist came up to J Jesus, he said, hey, you must baptize me. And Jesus said, no, we must fulfill this now to uh, fulfill all righteousness. So wouldn't it have been 
fair for Jesus to say, okay, I'm going to baptize you first, but then you, you're going to baptize me. No, he said, no, he, he goes, he, he didn't baptize John the Baptist because it had no need because um, uh, Jesus had to be baptized to see the dove. If John wouldn't have baptized Jesus, he would have never saw the dove. That's Great, why that's Jesus, a completely different point. That's a different no, category. That John the Baptist was the only one who did water baptisms, and, and Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit, just like John preached. And that's the fact. But uh, in today's Christianity, it's all twisted. Yeah. Wait, 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 are you wait, saying, wait, wait. Are, Chris, are you saying that? Uh, I mean, Nate, uh, are you saying that Jesus cried when John baptized him? I'm oh, saying I'm, I'm about to cry right now. Do you, you don't understand. Do, it, okay, Nate. Isn't it true that John saw a dove come down when he baptized Jesus and God? Yeah, told lots him? of people did. No, but did God tell John the Baptist that that there would be a dove coming down to identify Jesus as the Son of God? I believe the, what we actually read doesn't specifically say dove. That came later. It says, "He who you see the Spirit descend upon." There's no mention of a dove. Whenever John equates it and says it was like a dove. But no, no, we just read it. It says, he who you see the Spirit descend upon. And then John says, I saw the Spirit descend like a dove. Yeah, but in Luke, it actually says a dove in bodily form. That's what it says in Luke. But anyway. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the descending. Whenever God says it, he says, he who you see the Spirit descend on. And then later, we find out when John sees the Spirit descend, he says it was a dove. God didn't say look for a dove. God said look for the spirit. John says, oh, I saw the spirit, and it was a dove. It was like a dove. Well, it, it, it's like the scripture said, though. The spirit descended on him. Sure. And that was the reason he came baptizing with water, so he could identify Jesus as the son of God. Isn't that true? Sure. Well, but you know what it. else? You, but you also said John was the only one who baptized. What about he, Paul? Paul admits that he baptized a few people, and then he says, he says, you know, when other people were baptizing lots of people, he says, you know, I only baptized a few. So Paul's identifying himself as water baptizing several people, and then other people, he's like, I'm not like these people or these people who are baptizing lots of people. I only did it a few. So he's identifying multiple people, including himself, who carried on water baptism. So are but you saying you disagree with Paul, or the words don't say what the words say? Paul did... Paul was following Peter because Peter, um, you know, well, it's a long story. But anyway, but Paul. Um, it's in the Bible. I know he, I've read it. We, we've read it. Yeah. Priscilla and Aquila. Because Priscilla and Aquila watched Apollos, a, a well-learned man, a scholarly man, knew all about the Bible, knew about Jesus. But all he did was know uh, the baptism of John. Priscilla and Aquila took him home and taught him the Bible more accurately. And he, they taught him the same thing I'm teaching you. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop. You, you, Patrick, if there isn't a word. This, I'm preaching no, no. the gospel. No. Okay, you're done because I only have a few minutes. What you're trying to say is so, like, on one hand, I am astonished. I am in awe of you baptized. It is amazing how messed up you've got the Bible. You just now tried to say that, like Paul, when he didn't know anything, and, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, and, you know, these people had to teach him, because I assume you're, you know, off the road of Damascus. He had to learn. And you're trying to say that is at the point where he said what I said he said. 
That's not true at all. And either you have to know this. I know you read the Bible. And so, I mean, I don't know if it's willful ignorance or I don't know, Satan lives in your head, but it is so distorted. So when Paul says, I only baptized a few people, that is way after he was very well acquainted with Jesus and the gospel and versed in scripture and versed in his ministry. That is way after that. And you're trying, you just now tried to equate it to when he was like right off the road of Damascus and didn't really know anything and just realized Jesus was Lord. You're trying to say that's when it happened. And that is, so, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, does anyone else have a word to describe what just happened? Like, that is astounding for all the wrong reasons. Pretty astonishing. Um, yeah, but repent and believe the Nate, gospel. Nate, Especially you when... Have, Nate, you was, have proved to be as harmless as a dove. Congratulations. And hopefully shrewd That's as a good. serpent in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, hey, to be fair, so didn't Paul start his... He didn't start his ministry until like 14 years later, right? No, well, yeah, but that's that well, well, it wasn't that long, but regardless, like it definitely by, by the time he talks about how many people he baptized, um, it was well into his ministry. So no matter how long it took him to, you know, get the nuts and bolts of Christianity one on one, whenever Paul makes a statement about how many people he baptized, it was soundly after he had a grasp on baptism, the gospel of Christ, all that. Dang, man. So what were y'all talking about before y'all started talking about uh, tears of sorrow and whatnot? Uh, the black, gray, and white pope. Do you have any information on that? <laughs> well, you know, speaking of black, white, and gray, sometimes, um, you know, when you're when you start to cry, sometimes your vision <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes your vision starts to become colorblind because of the water in your eyes. Did you know that? And then you have to, and then you have to cry tears of uh, of joy and repentance. Every time I make Chris Ahmad, I had to earlier because I had to call and I had to leave. He changes my link at the top with some Calvin-y thing. Maybe it was predestined That's... for it to be that. <laughs> He's kind of cow. All right. Well, my time is nigh. Steph, do you have any words of wisdom? Or uh, are you busy feeding one of your offspring? Yo, so Nate, been, uh... Nate, read what he said in the chat about Abraham. <laughs> uh, when, Abra uh, when Abraham, they were baptized in the cloud and see it was because they could see clouds in their eyes because of water weeping. Oh. <laughs> Gotta love it. Even though Abraham wasn't even around for the cloud. I still have faith that Mr. Lehman is going to come around. This is my stance. We are going to hear a wonderful salvation story from this man one day. How's one he gonna day. get better? How can how can he get better than the one he's already told you? Like a real one, Bob. Same for you. Well, I'm not sure about you. I pray for you too, Bob. You're you're not sure like he's close enough, or you're not sure like he's not coming around. I don't know if Bob's coming around. I think Mr. Layman could come around. I don't think Bob's coming around. Well, I'm I'll take your side, Bob. I'm already, I have faith in you, Bob. 
I'm already around. Thank you, Nate. I got faith in you too. I, I I'm getting more all the time. Uh, Not a compliment. A you should be working. Yeah. yeah, I, I need to change some things. <laughs> well, I was already told I'd be a good evil god like Zeus or something, and I'd I'd be a good cult leader. So I, <laughs> you know, I I smile and nod. I'm starting to think there's some things I should reevaluate. Don't all don't all speak at once in my defense. No, oh, Nate, you're not really a cult leader. You're not that bad. <laughs> I was picturing whether you would be a good cult leader. I think that you could be by your nature, but your uh, conscience would not allow you. Why, thank you. You're welcome. Well, to be fair, Nate, he could be a good a good mean god. You know, the way of righteousness is to have a functioning mic. You know. <laughs> And he'll cast you to he'll cast you to the lake of the lake of fire if your mic starts to uh, have an aneurysm, you know. His cult his cult name is gonna be Righteous Mics. <laughs> Seriously, Steph, you gotta you gotta ask everyone. Bob, do you know anything about the black, gray, and white pope? Like I, I just heard this and it is intriguing. It's like uh um da vinci code type stuff i knew of this theory but i've never heard it called the gray pope that must be a well, new the, label i mean everyone knows that the pope is in league with the illuminati and that this is all part of the new world order scheme right this is common knowledge but i've never heard him called that, that there is a gray pope that's the name for the true illuminati uh puppet master I don't know if it's the puppet master or they just work with it, but it's like, you know, the black Pope that apparently is a real thing. And it's like the, the Supreme general as of that. Yeah. They're like, don't call it the black Pope. That's derogatory. Call him to his real title, his Supreme general of the order of the Jesuits. I'm like, wait, is that supposed to sound less creepy? Um, anyways. So, so yeah, everyone will, will accept like we just read it. Like that's like official Vatican stuff. Like they'll acknowledge the black Pope. Because he's like, yeah, and they'll say like he serves under the act of the Pope, but um, they'll say he's like the Supreme General of the Order of Jesuits. But then the conspiracy thing is they'll say there's also a Gray Pope. Oh, well, some of the conspiracy is that the Black Pope secretly holds more not, more authority than the actual Pope. And, uh, you know, he just like diverts to him like under the radar, but he secretly controls stuff. Uh, but then other people will say on top of that, there's the Gray Pope who apparently is supposed to be like, Pepe Orsini, it's like an Italian nobility family or something, and guy. And um, I guess they don't like that. Like, the internets will say, oh, it's derogatory, blah, blah, blah. That's not really it. He's just like an Italian noble, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they'll kind of acknowledge, like, the person who's identified as the Grey Pope, but then they'll say anything about that is conspiracy. Um, but then those people are like, yeah, the Grey Pope wields more power than everyone. Like, the, the white Pope, the public Pope, is like a, a puppet for this guy. And this guy controls armies and continental armies and da 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 da, da and Illuminati and all this stuff. So it's super interesting. And, you know, for a couple of years ago, we hand waved a lot of conspiracies. I mean, you know, most of us did. You didn't. But we would just be like, oh, it's conspiracy theory. It's conspiracy theory. And in the last few years, like, so many of these things have, like, seemingly crazy things have been, like, irrefutably proven true. Uh, medicine, conspiracies, government overthrowings, coups, stuff like that. Um, that now it's like, well, now when the majority of the populace hears uh, conspiracy theory, in their head, they're just like, okay, this is basically true. I just need to wait a few months until it's proven. 
because that seems to be the, the current trend. Um, anyway, so whether or not there is a black, gray, or white pope, I mean, I guess there is a black pope, but whether or not the secrecy and stuff surrounding that, and if the gray pope's a thing, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. No, I never heard of whatever that was you asked me about the pope. But the, yeah, what was it? Gray, white, and black. Safe. Black, gray, and white pope. Are you talking about the gray, black, and white pope? That I flushed down the I toilet this morning. For, I thought they watched for the smoke to turn black, or what is it? When they get the Pope and the Pope done decided something, they sitting there watching the smoke come out the stack. Yeah, that's a different thing. That's when they elect a new Pope because you know God chooses His vicar of Christ by elections. But sure. Um, but yeah. So whenever. Um, yeah. Right. Whenever they uh, <laughs> whenever they uh, choose a new Pope, um, I guess if it's. If, if they have a decision, then they release the white smoke. And if they don't, it's uh, black smoke, saying that they have to continue deliberating because I guess God didn't get it right the first few times. How's that for a straw man? Well, that's part of the, uh, the disclosure theory is that they are bound by contract to disclose whatever they're up to. So the black and white smoke is acknowledging the black and white popes too. So just keep that in mind. Hey, well, I did flush. I did flush a black, white, and gray pope down the toilet this morning. Oh, <laughs> wow! You should see a doctor if you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. If you got all three colors coming out, we we really need to send you to a specialist. It's pope, probably it's pope. probably all the glass. <laughs> the Illuminati is coming for you. It's probably all the glass I've been eating. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> That's a bad yeah, idea. Yeah, glass is bad. Don't don't do that. Yeah. That's all. Hey, how y'all doing though, man? Nate, Steph, Chris, how you guys doing? Pretty good. I mean, pretty pretty good. Good, good. We had some, hey, a little bit of crazy this morning. Right. Hey, Chris, man, you you should get me a plane ticket down there to Florida, man, for like a weekend. For me and the wife, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Is Chris handing out plane tickets? Yeah, he yeah, he uh, was going to buy one for Eliyahu, but I thought I'd take him up on the offer. Well, well he said for earlier who? he wouldn't adopt Wait. a feral cat from his church, but I guess Harold oh, wants yeah. them now. I, I literally, Steph, I literally said, Nate was like, you should adopt the feral cat from your church. I said, my name is not Steph. Wow, rude. And now Harold wants you to adopt him. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you I mean, adopt, I mean, I'm okay with having more kids. That's fine. I mean, do I get like your inheritance and stuff like that if you adopt me? My inheritance? I have nothing. I, I'm we're barely a couple, couple cat five cords. Yeah, I have like I have a couple of cat five Ethernet cords you can have. I wouldn't want Chris to adopt me because then I'd have to. He'll lock you in the sin closet. Yeah, he would dump me in a sin closet for not being a Trinitarian. But he, but he would, but he would escape. Because oh, he's a magician! This so is news. We went from all, on the fence to definitely not. <laughs> Wait, are you at Bob's camp? We went from you were on the fence about Trinitarian to definitely not. No, I was just, I was just messing with him. Harold has not been clear on the stance yet. We're we're erring on the side of optimism here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm erring on the be, side of optimism. You always have to ask the side question. That is correct. 
Yes, we've got answers. Too few questions. Yes, we need more more questions. Yeah, Rich Evans, you want to ask a question? You can ask me all the rude questions you like, my friend. Join us, Rich Evans, if you like. How old is the Earth, everybody? Six thousand oh, years old. My, I'm on my best behavior. I'm at church, so. Hey, hey you know Jacob. what? I do have a quick question for y'all. This sure. is something. This is some new information that was presented to me, and I wanted to get y'all's thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you guys are familiar with Revelation chapter twelve, where it starts talking about the uh, the sun and the moon and the stars uh, surrounding the woman with the baby, and then like it continues on talking about the 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 uh, the drag the red dragon in heaven and you know, the war that took place between Satan and Michael and so on and so forth, right? Sure, sure. So what are y'all, so some information was presented to me in regards to that, that it's not a, that that chapter, it's like those three events aren't really literal things that are taking place in heaven per se, but it was uh, it was John was actually describing um, the order of constellations in the sky, uh, like the like the red dragon, for example, is actually a real um, constellation, and it's marked by a red star. And then um, apparently, like in Greek mythology, so to speak, the red dragon is actually followed by a archer in the sky which in Greek mythology would be Hercules fighting against the dragon or whatever. But in our case, it would be Michael versus, uh, versus Satan. What's y'all's thoughts on that? This kind of stuff. I haven't heard that. It's literally my least favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> Fair enough. Just thought I'd ask. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say, except, I mean, I guess I could look into it. But no, I've, I've not heard that. I don't believe that. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's literal, because, you know, I mean, by the time we compare Satan to a dragon, it, it's not, he's not literally a dragon. So, um, but yeah, I believe that, you know, this is, uh, you know, the dragon is Satan, and there is a war, and there is a fight. I, I don't believe it's a constellation. But since Satan is literally not a flying magical lizard. Um, I mean, it can't be totally literal. But yes, the, Satan and the war and stuff like that, I believe that part is literal. Hey, Thomas. I Thomas, you're ca are you, is Thomas, is Thomas Catholic? Are you Catholic? Or is it something else? No, I'm Catholic. Th yes, what's up? He's, he's okay, a, I have a question. You probably, you're not going to you're not Vatican II Catholic, right? You're like... You're like original OG well, Catholic. Yeah, SSPX or FSSP doesn't matter really. Okay. But sure, I, okay. I grew up as a Norvos Ordo cat, like with one of these Vatican II cats. But I, I, I'm studying Pope Pius, uh, the okay. thing, what, uh, the SSPX. Here. Have you ever heard of the Black or Gray Pope? Yes, many times before. Uh, I've heard of the uh, Black Pope, not the Gray Pope. Uh, I need more information about that one. Oh, snap. Uh, we're, but, we're also looking for more information. 
there's been a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding the Black Pope and who who he can be identified as, I suppose, uh, under Francis's reign, maybe. <laughs> uh, but this was during the Renaissance, no, or maybe later, I don't know, that uh, this Black Pope uh, seems to have a resurgence, maybe. Uh, you know anything about the Black Pope in detail, or just know a general uh, summary of what he what he is and what he does and all this other stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, we know with this. I mean, we know like we read a little bit about the Black Pope earlier, like you know the not conspiracy theory stuff. Like he's apparently the leader of the Order of the Jesuits, um, and his name is what was his name? Um, I just said it, or his title? Um, crap. But apparently there's one like right now. It's not like dating back like there has always been and there is currently one. But Supreme General of the Order of the Jesuits. Um, but And it says that, you know, he, he just like leads the order and um, he basically serves the Pope. But then, you know, it gets weird where the conspiracies, quote, conspiracies, say that, you know, he's the real Pope and the white Pope serves under him, you know, the, the public Pope. Uh, but then the, the thing about the gray Pope is apparently some Italian nobility guy of some royal bloodline is supposedly the gray pope that like secretly commands the black and white pope and like the new world order and all this other like illuminati stuff i'm gonna ask every catholic that for the like that's gonna be my first question always maybe someday someone will have heard of it so like in catholicism like do most catholics know about like the black pope is it just part of their like they're the stuff they learn, but it's like what I said, like the very normal stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, he's just the leader of an order, no big deal. Well, uh, or, most people, most Catholics don't even know. Uh, I don't think most Catholics know about the Black Pope. Uh, some, uh, it's kind of shrouded in mystery, and uh, a lot of enigmas surrounding the Black Pope, uh, along with the conspiracies of surrounding the Jesuits, basically. Like they control all the money. They <laughs> some stupid. <laughs> well, yes, he, he, uh, maybe he he's done some like criminal stuff. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but uh, many of Catholics sounds like Yaju may be the next black. I mean, we may find out next week that Yaju is really the uh, the one y'all talking about. I don't. <laughs> Who's Yaju? <laughs> <laughs> oh, some some very special person that comes by here sometimes. <laughs> is he a black Hebrew Israelite? Is that what is? No, uh... it is something completely different. <laughs> it, it's a sight to behold. You'll have to we'll have to send you an invite if he shows up again. Well, I hope he has a. Uh, a stringent of awe and wisdom within his character. Maybe uh, uh, he has some insight on the Black Pope and the Jesuits and how they're uh, like double agents for the United States or something. I don't know. Some I can weird, tell you uh, right now, I think his his um, knowledge of the papacy would be probably... Uh, what's that? Uh, what's what? The paper. What about the knowledge of the papers? That's his stance. He'd be like, "What's that?" Like, I don't think he really, uh, from what I gather of him, his uh, his expertise is not anything to do with the Pope or the Vatican or Catholicism or well, uh, Jesus. All right. 
That's a completely fine. different direction. Well, <laughs> I, I, I do have to run, Thomas. But did you? Uh, you came up to stage. Did you have any uh, any question before I derailed it with the poop talk? Uh, sure. Can you tell me if there were any like uh, isolated cases of Christians <laughs> eating human flesh? <laughs> oh, I'm sure at some point somebody who's called himself a Christian has probably been trapped under a snow embankment and, you know, had to eat the flesh of someone to stay alive. I mean, just, you know, hate to rule it out in the interest of not making absolutes, but I'd say that is not a common practice amongst Christians. I don't know. Would you eat a person if you had to survive? Like, what would you do, Chris? Would you eat a person? As long as it was you. Um, well. And the reason... Uh, sounded, this... That sounded kind of sus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how to respond to that. I don't want you to adopt me anymore. You know, like Army Hammer, I guess. Army Hammer. Oh, hey, man. uh, Thomas. So, what? since you're a uh, Catholic, you yes. guys, you, now, now, I don't want to misrepresent this belief, so I'm going to ask you first, and then if it is true, then I'll ask you the, the question I have. So, is it true that you guys do believe that the uh, communion cup and the, um, I forget what it's called off the top of my head in the Catholic Church. The, the Eucharist and the, the, the bo Eucharist, body. Yes. And, yes, the blood of Jesus and Christ it, and the wine. And it is the literal body and blood, correct? Or it becomes such when, it, when, you, when you drink it, right? Uh, yeah, it is the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ, and, uh, and it becomes its essential features once we take part of it, yes. So how do, you, how do you remedy that with Acts 15, where the New Testament believers, right, are being commanded not to drink blood? Let me see what Acts 15 is for a sec. Uh, maybe that's re referencing a pagan. Yeah, just, all right, counsel of you. Because I asked it, the wait, Catholic it, this before. And they gave me what I think is the most ridiculous answer that it doesn't sound like you'll give. He literally said, and I quote, new covenant, baby. And then I was like, this guy's not getting us anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this guy's not, not getting us anywhere. Give that answer. I did not think so. And that's why. Right, if I ever right. have to eat human flesh to stay alive and someone's like, why'd you do that? I'd be like, new covenant, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Welcome, Joanna. Yeah, the, uh, the obvious well, problem with up. that answer. Well, the obvious problem with that answer is that you know, this is in the new covenant, according to, right, all Christian doctrine that I've ever heard, right? So, you know, doesn't Thank work. You. You know, yeah. Going back to the, going back to the Last Supper or the Passover, uh, does, do they think, the Catholics think that Jesus meant, uh, drink this, it is my blood? He does, they don't realize it's metaphoric. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay, because at with... the Last Supper, he does not say. This is actually my blood and body. Right. Oh, okay. Right. And so, he, he also, it would also be understood that we should be literally chopping off our arms and gouging out our eyes when we sin. But I don't see many Catholics walking around with peg legs and eye patches. So I'm not really sure how they, how they work that out, you know? This is where well, you don't understand that most pirates were Catholic. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, so here's here's the thing is that Thomas, let me steal Manu for a bit here. The idea of transubstantiation is not 
the idea that the elements are the literal body and blood of Christ until they transubstantiate when you are partaking in the sacrament. Okay, yeah, so right. the idea that, right, so the idea is that when you partake of the sacrament, it becomes the literal body and blood of Christ. This is the teaching of transubstantiation. Did I get that correct, Thomas? Yes, indeed. Yes. This is the doctrine and of transubstantiation. So, indeed. So, according, so now according, look, according to baptized, you get this by tears. Well, yeah, yeah, but who cares what heretics say? So, um, so there are there, there are four views on the Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper, what some call the Eucharist, whatever. It's all the same thing. Um, there's just different Latin translations. But so there is transubstantiation. There is the Lutheran doctrine of consubstantiation. Okay. There is the real presence, and there is the memorial view. And so in the Protestant Reformation, you had three. Um, competing uh, views of the Lord's Supper come up, and in the ancient Church, transubstantiation was not in, was not elucidated until the Fourth Lateran Council in twelve fifteen. Am I correct on that, Thomas? Yes. Good. Okay. Again, I don't want to I don't want to straw man anything here. So, um, so we have. Real presence, which is the, the view that I take, which is just that the literal presence of Jesus Christ is in the room when the Lord's Supper occurs, okay? And that his real presence is in the elements themselves, okay? Um, it is not that they turn into the literal body and blood, but that there is an ordinary means of grace that is granting grace to the participant that is a Christian, the memorial view was championed by Zwingli, who was another reformer who was a contemporary of Luther and Calvin. And his view was that, do this in remembrance of me. This is more of the Baptist view. So that there is a an idea of just simply doing this as a, a ritual remembrance. That there is no supernatural, spiritual, physical component. Now, Almost all of church history, that was rejected, um, because that was one of the views put forth by the Gnostics, um, that there is no physicality, because physicality was evil to the Gnostic, depending on what Gnostic you talk to. But the the third view, consubstantiation, was simply that it is the, the literal body and blood of Christ, but it is uh, not at the moment of partaking but it is simply, um, I'd have to read back up on this. There's a, there's a slight difference between con and trans, at any rate. Uh, I, mean, I believe it's with. I mean, I don't believe it literally turns into body and blood, but I, I mean, I would get around that to say the same way that, you know, when people say, the Bible says you sh shouldn't, uh, shouldn't sacrifice humans and blah, blah, blah. So why do you have Jesus, who you Christians say is a human, sacrificing himself? I'd say, well, that doesn't apply to God. Maybe there's a law that says, hey, don't sacrifice each other because that's reserved only for the one who will be your sacrifice. So, like, you know, it's uh, like if that's the reason, God is different. So if Jesus is saying, hey, take this, remember me, this is my body, this is my blood, blah, blah, blah. Unless you eat the flesh of man and drink his blood, you won't have any part in heaven. So I'd say, well, 
no, that could very well be God's rule for everyone. Like, don't drink blood, don't eat flesh, because this is reserved for God. Like, that's why you can't eat flesh and drink blood, because this is only for the body and blood of Christ. Anyways, I don't, I think it's all symbolic Dude, anyway. That would is say, some good reasoning, Nate, because that is exactly how Aquinas instantiates transubstantiation. That is one of his actual arguments, man. That guy is the smartest guy to ever have lived. Maybe it's because I'm the great pope. Oh, you're the great pope. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, wouldn't you, would you guys agree that Aquinas was probably the smartest guy to have ever lived? I I don't know that much about him. Me either. But Nate, Nate, you're a living sacrifice, man. I'm proud of you. I mean, we all should be. Spiritually speaking, doesn't mean we're going around with like, you know, nails in our eyes or, you know, like whatever, beating ourselves with like the foils like some of the monk people do. Uh, Joanna, do you have anything to say before I got to run? Welcome, by the way. Uh, Joanna, if you're speaking, we do not hear you. I love the I love the atheists that are like, yeah, we got science because of atheism. It's fantastic. It's so ahistorical and hilarious to me. Rich, you, you would got be death a and communism pagan. because of atheism. You got death and right. communism. You would be you would be a pagan painting yourself blue and baying at the moon to this day if it were not for Christianity. So you need to thank your Christian ancestors that they understood science and reason because otherwise you would be a dirt farmer murdering the tribes around you for you know an extra three grains of seed so i it just it's just amazing to me nate approves I'm of that trying. statement <laughs> that is that is some good reasoning right there my brother <laughs> It is the genetic fallacy, but it's still fun. Yeah, I just got to interrupt you guys and just let you all know that all communication is hypnosis and that you're all communication slaves. Health, wealth, love. Sounds reasonable. Thanks. What's up, Chicago? How are you doing? Everything's an illusion. Uh, Yeah, but Nate, I mean, uh, Chris is reformed. Uh, Yeah. I, I don't know your point. There's the What's reformation. There's this. There's that. And now there are the reform. Hey, I mean, sorry to interrupt. Meeting. And just want you all to know that all communication is hypnosis. Are we being hypnotized right now by your neuro linguistic programming? Mm, Get behind me, Satan. Hypnotism. What Can about you hypnotize like, me to ASM? not like donuts? Is this like ASMR, the sound of my shake shaking? It is. Is it a shake weight? No, it's my vegan chocolate lunch shake. Is that a shake weight? All communication is hypnosis. Oh, no. that All communication Ooh. is not hypnosis, but some communication is annoying as heck. Yeah. Uh, all right, Steph, that guy should go find Rich Evans, like and they can <laughs> duel out their epistemological fallacies. Okay, that's enough shaking. So you get you get your you get your blood flowing, you get some exercise, then you eat your shake. 
Yeah, and absolutely, Rich. Um, I my beliefs are based on my regenerated heart, um, and so I can do no other than my heart requires of me, and neither can you. And so, because your heart is a heart of stone, you are unable. And it is impossible for you to understand the things of God. That is what is referred to as darkened understanding in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Chris, you need to get into epistemology a little bit deeper. I hate epistemology. Unless there's an epistemology-flavored donut. And Chris, so is that your uh, enlightened and renewed, yet still human fleshly heart that you work with that will not allow you to adopt that feral cat in the church parking lot? Yeah, parts of me are still fallen that I don't have compassion for feral cats that are the size of jaguars. (laughs) Oh, did I ever tell you guys the story when I first moved to Florida? So I'm a city boy, right? I'm from Chicago. And so my mom buys this house in the middle of nowhere, Florida, which is not nowhere, Florida anymore because everything's built up around it because it was 30 years ago. But anyway, get this. So they had just cleared, I don't know, dozens of acres of forest land in central Florida. And they built my mom's house. My mom's house was the first house to get built in this development, right? So it was just like one house sitting in a giant open field with no other houses around because they hadn't built them yet. Well, anyway, so I'm looking out the back of these sliding glass doors and there is the biggest freaking cat that I've ever seen in my life. And when I say big, the thing was like maybe 30 feet from the sliding glass doors. And it was just sitting there like washing itself. And turns out the thing was a Florida Panther. And I had no idea what those were. I had no idea that Florida had such things and I'm calling, I'm calling my mom and I'm like, there is the biggest cat outside. She's like, there is no way that is, there, there's no way that cat is that big. And I'm like, no, 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 you, you don't understand. This cat is huge. And, uh, and yeah, it turned out it was a Florida Panther and they had just cleared away all of this poor Panthers habitat. It's very now, sad. I would have liked to adopt that. Yeah. And it, whenever people moved here, um, from, you know, the northern people, the snow people, um, and they come down here, they're like, I just saw a Florida panther, I saw a Florida panther, and it's a bobcat. I'm like, bro, it's, there, there's a difference. Like a bobcat, yeah, it's a big cat, it's bigger than your house cat, but there's no mistaking a Florida panther. It's like, you know, the rest of the world would know it as like a cougar or a mountain lion. Like, we, I haven't seen one, uh, one of those, a Florida panther, since we moved here, but we used to occasionally see them, like we lived in the woods and the mountains in Colorado. We would occasionally see them, like, walking through the snow, those things are so awesome. Like if I could have a completely domesticated one of those that, you know, was not going to like eat me, that would be my favorite animal to have. Like, I don't know. Bro, they're awesome. Totally agreed. But they're awesome. I've seen them in the zoo, see, like down here. Like, yeah. They have a pair of Florida panthers up in, um, no, they have a pair of Florida panthers that, um, that they're like, they do rehab or whatever up at this, at this, uh, it's like a university of Florida zoo up in Gainesville went on a field trip with my kid a few years ago and they had two Florida Panthers. I guess they were trying to breed. Not real sure what they were doing with them. The things are awesome. I mean, we see Bobcats all the time, but Hey, do you live close? I keep meaning to ask you, do you, do you see all the memes like the Florida memes of the I four eyesore? What's your thoughts on that? Um, 
that it's being finished now. So the city of, I think Lake Mary has taken it over and they're building a government center there now. So I think it's almost. So finished. it's not going to be a church anymore. It's not a religious building anymore. No, I don't think so. I think they sold it. Those memes are so funny. Whenever you see like the pictures of like prehistoric swamp Florida, and then you have that end <laughs> like, of the picture. People don't know what we're talking about, but like there's so channel 55 is one of the, the fake Christian TV satellite TV channels. And some Nimrod who owns that decided he was going to build this enormous office building off of one of their big highways here called I-4. And he started building it and he was getting donations to do this. And it just, his donations tanked. And then like it was up half finished for like 20 years. And so it just sat there for a really long time. I think the guy died and like, there was all kinds of other nonsense that happened. And, uh, you know, so basically this thing was this half finished, really garish office building that no one knew what to do with and no one wanted to pay to have it demolished. And it was just this whole thing. And now I guess the city has bought it for pennies on the dollar and they're building a big municipality <laughs> center. Is that a cat mewing? Oh, you hear my little Florida Panther wannabe? I hear your little Florida. Is that the sickly one? No, no, this is the just cranky one. It's sick in the head. Oh. It hates us. Do you want to to bring your cats to Steph for training? (laughs) Like this one wants to be like, it it wants to have love and it like follows us around, like meowing annoyingly until we like pet it. But then if we pick it up, it goes crazy and wants down. So like it wants attention and then it gets what it wants. Kind of like atheist wanting God to prove himself. Oh my gosh. Theological teaching moment. They think they know what they want. This cat thinks it knows what it wants. It wants to be around us. It wants love. It wants acceptance. Then when we actually give it to it, it's like, oh, I don't want it that way. You're doing it wrong. You're loving me wrong. And then I put it down and it runs away. And then, like a pig returns to its vomit, it does the same thing. It comes around, it paws on me, it meows, it wants attention, it wants love. Then I give it love and attention, and then it doesn't want it. Repent and believe the gospel. There you go. Hey, Rody. Speaking of stray cats. How are you? I also have the one cat that uh, does the exact same thing. And I have a cat uh, that does the opposite of that. Like, he doesn't care about anyone, but if you pick him up, pat him, you can do whatever you want with him, and it would not do anything. Oh, yeah, dog is vomit, not a pig. That's pearls before swine. I'm mixing up my Bible. See, I'm a father. What's on your mind, Rody? Anything on your mind? Uh, two questions. The first question is, uh, is that profile picture real? Like, is it an actual photo? <laughs> no, that is. I, I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised, but it's understood to be AI-generated hope pictures. Okay, okay, now, now okay. <laughs> that would be okay. hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it probably yeah. is real. Who knows? But, oh, by the and way, there's another conspiracy theory. Is it true mm. Has it that the... Um, the the Pope his shoes is it what, what brand is is the shoes is it Louis Vuittons or something like that. Anyways, how the how they're like they were red sold, but they're also the whole thing was red. They were like red shoes everywhere. There was Isn't it the Lebrons? There was a no no no, no. there was a thing that, they, that the leather was made out of human flesh. Can anyone confirm that conspiracy theory? Are the Pope's shoes made out of human flesh? Probably. I don't. I think it's like too absurd. 
I mean, they, point, they killed, they killed enough Protestants <laughs> to have made enough leather to last them for a couple thousand years. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, they could have, could have used all of the flesh of our ancestor Protestants to make tents for their conquering armies and the Crusades. Like, they, they could have been, they could have saved the earth by just making tent canvas out of skin of the, you know, martyrs. Pretty much, yeah. Is that too much? They cross the line? I mean, I don't know. Thomas may have something to say about that. It's, for some reason, it's very graphic for me. <laughs> what was your other question? <laughs> yes, that's number two. Is that you, Chris, in the profile, your profile <laughs> picture? Yes, it is. That is me <laughs> riding my alligator to work. That's such a bad artistry. Bad artistry? How do you say that? I think I said it correctly. Okay. I think you got it, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. on that note. <laughs> All right, so here's my I take. I have to go on... for like an hour. Oh, we go ahead, Thomas. Here's my take on if the Pope's shoes are made out of human flesh. Well, that might be a myth or a rumor. Uh, the Pope's shoes are typically made from leather or other material. Uh, so the claim is not true that the Pope's shoes are made from human flesh. There's you no mean, evidence. You think the claim is true. Uh, maybe it's only mm. this Pope, Thomas. Maybe it's maybe it's just Francis. <laughs> I think you probably agree to that one, right? No, I would agree with that. I don't think Francis has human flesh shoes. That that's uh, not under his pay grade, no. <laughs> I mean, it sounds very. I mean, it sounds very reasonable. Like we can all just agree we we wouldn't wear shoes made of human flesh. But I mean, man, in 2023, whatever. I people 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 oh, are hey, people. Hey Nate, I wanted to ask Thomas what he thought about the German bishops. What do you think about the German? Oh, bishops? yeah, the, the, the synodality is that the one. Well, I'm not an expert, so I would not know too much about the German bishops supporting like LGBTQ flags and what. Is that what they're doing or is that something? Well, they're, they're, blessing, they're blessing gay marriages in Germany. So the entire, all of Germany, all of their bishops at all Catholic churches are now doing gay marriages. And the Pope is a bit upset about it. He's going to send yeah, the Dark really Order to take them all out. You joke. Okay, we're we are all marked. I mean, if anyone knew that we exist, we're all marked by this podcast. Oh, bro. Yeah, I mean, I mean, start with I, Chris. Yeah, Just I mean, saying. start with me. I I have a reputation for uh, anti-Catholicism. I mean, you know, I don't want to be anti-Catholic people. But yeah, as far as like the doctrine and, and the teachings I've, I've got issues with, but I don't want to be like anti-Catholic individual. Anyways, okay, I really got to go. I got to go. Got to go. Um, everyone, uh, thanks okay. for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> see you tomorrow. Peace be with you. <laughs> Later. And also with you. <laughs>